Uh, today, uh, I'm covering the purposes of God's word from Ezekiel chapter—I mean Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11. Nourishing the sheep, the purposes of God's word, nourishing the sheep. Verse 10 reads, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the purpose. It shall accomplish. I mean, I'm missing it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein to I sin it. Uh, in Second Corinthians, the ninth chapter, it says, the tenth verse, Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which calls it, through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service is not only supply of the want of the saints but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God while by the experiment of this administration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel and of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for uh, uh, his unspeakable gift. So God's word supplied seed to the sower. When it says seed to the sower, no farmer uses all of his seed in one year towards supplying bread and eating resources. He put some up for planting for the next year so he would have seed to re-sow because you have to continually sow seed to continually reap. We're looking at spiritual reaping and spiritual sowing here. And the word that is sown, God's word that cometh down, it says it's like the rain that cometh down and the snow that cometh down. And I was telling you yesterday during Sabbath day services, the rain is for immediate use and it saturates into the soil and sometimes the word is for use at that time to strengthen us during that season or at one point in time or whatever as the manner was given each day as we prayed for our daily bread we day by day our daily bread but we also take the word and store some like to see it the sower stores his seed to be sown later. We study the word of God and meditate on it day and night. And we hide it in our heart. That's the strength of the saints of God. That's, that's their strength. That's where their reserve strength lies. We see verse 12 to 13 says, For he shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountain and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off 
God's people as they're being nourished and going forth with God's Word, the immediacy of God's Word and using it in the strength that he, when he fed Elijah that meal, when he, Elijah had ran away from Jezebel and had hid away, had ran way away uh, to Jezreel, ran way off somewhere, running from Jezebel, he ran a hundred miles away and God fed him in a cave and gave him a meal to go in the strength of that meal. So God's Word, we go in the strength of God's Word day by day, but just like the snow that sits in the mountain sometimes, and sometimes it takes months, weeks, months, or several months before that snow starts to melt and go down to the reservoirs, go down to the lakes. I was telling you about Lake Mead and other things. That that snow that God caused to snow during the winter time or the early parts of the season go down and water the valleys and water things later in life. Starting way back at creation, we see that God separated the waters from above to the waters at the top. It says in the book of uh, Genesis that when he was in creation and separating the waters, he separated uh, the waters and God called the firmament heaven in the evening and the morning was the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And God called forth these things. Well, in that creation, we see where he set waters above the earth in the clouds, in the firmaments of heaven to be used later on. This was the waters that came in the flood of the deluge of Noah's day when he flooded the earth because before the time of Noah, it never did rain. So God left those waters, that firmament, when he separated the waters in the midst of the earth and the waters above the earth to be used later on for his purpose. Well, the Word of God, we study the Word of God and meditate the Word of God, hide the Word of God in our hearts, some of it to be used later on. It's our nourishment. Jesus Christ grew in the grace and the stature and the measure of God's Word in which we're to grow and meditate. But we notice that when, when He was out in the wilderness, when the Spirit driven drove him out in the wilderness, he grew spiritually strong because he had God's Word. That's what sustained him. God's Word sustained us. It's nutrients to us. It nourishes the spiritual man. That's why every once in a while some people fast or whatever to strengthen the inner man, the spiritual man, and live off God's Word and not by just flesh alone, and not by just the bread of natural life. This word of God is what stains us and keeps us. When he went into the village where the Samaritan woman was, and they went to buy bread or whatever, and he communed with the Samaritan woman and told her all of the things in her life, and he preached to her and talked to her and everything, and after they came back, they came back and asked him about bread or whatever. And he says that he had bread that they knew not of. Yes. Yes. 
so God's word is nourishment. It is bread within itself. The food in Isaiah 55 and the oil in Matthew 25 can only be bought by means of dedication and commitment of one's life in the submission to Christ. So when he says, Ho, come and eat, come, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsted, come ye to the waters, and he that had no money, come and buy and eat, yet come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is satisfied not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness, in the richness of God's word, that his knowledge, wisdom, and understanding supply. The purchase price is the sacrificing of our life, time, prayer, and commitment unto God. That's it's by God's grace, but in a way, that's how we pay for it or whatever. It's freely given by God or whatever. So I'm not saying that there's a purchase price. The grace of God is freely given to all. And that's why the invitation is to all. But to those of us who apply ourselves, apply ourselves to Bible study, to prayer, to dedication, of practicing and walking in God's word, by being a living sacrifice in prayer and meditation of his word and obedience to his word. It takes being a doer of God's word. One becomes energized by the food of God's word. That's how we are nourished up by the word of God. Those that he said he only fed milk when Paul said he fed milk because they were carnal and some of them in Hebrews wasn't able to receive strong meat. That's because they were wayside hearers or, or hearers that received the word in the thorns and thickets of different places on stony ground where it, they didn't cultivate the soil. They didn't fix it so that the word would have an effect in their lives. They as the sower sowed the seed that were the birds of the air that came and took the word away because they didn't treasure God's word and hide it in their hearts or whatever. They listened loosely to God's word. And I told you, we must take heed to God's word. We must have an ear to hear. And we must hang on and, 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 and grasp that word and realize the preciousness of that word do like the Bereans, go back and study to see as those things be true that you hear. Don't just callously hear me preach and teach the Word of God or people speaking Scripture or the Word of God and it means nothing. It's just vain talk or just something to pass the time. It's very important. I told you about the people used to love to go hear Ezekiel preach or teach or whatever, but they wouldn't do what he say do. The Word had no effect on them so to those the word become a curse to them the word become detriment to them because it's very dangerous to hear God's word and not act upon God's word to reject it or rebel against God's word that's why a lot of sinners won't sit in church and won't hear it they feel if they not if they don't hear it they're not responsible for it because who, to whom much is given much shall be required. And then there are those in church that are constantly hearing God's word, but it has no effect upon them because they're not faithful hearers. 
In addition, one can purchase it only from those appointed by God to sell it. So if the blind leads the leading the blind, you may be wasting your time from someone that is not authorized to sell the word of God or not. In other words, their proficiency of use of the word of God to where it has no effect in your life without the anointing of the authority of the word of God. These are not authorized representatives of God's word which may contribute to how you hear it, how you listen to God's word. So it's according to the messenger also, and I tell you the responsibility of the preacher of preaching and teaching or proclaiming God's word. The proclamation of God's word has something to do with the way people assimilate God's word into their being. It can the only way it can be bought from those already converted and provided by God with the gifts to teach each other, and that's why we are to not forsake the assembling together of ourselves, and that's why we gather together to speak the word of God and prophesy and to speak things into one another's life and exhort one another with the word of God and with singing, and it brings joy in our hearts. We see the last two verses we will cover in this chapter brings joy, prosperity, and singing. It actually energizes you. That's the nourishment that the Word of God is living. There's nutrients into your spiritual life to be absorbed from the Word of God because it is a living Word. That creates a zeal. It's by His zeal, His Spirit, the zeal of the Lord of host performs this and people can extract that from others. That's why when they came to Jesus, he, they said that he preached the word of God with authority. Now, it doesn't have to be voluminous, uh, you know, very loud, uh, very with the simplicity of the word taught. Paul came to the people at Corinth with preaching just the cross with Christ and him crucified only. He didn't try to complicate it through wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Uh, They might have perceived it the wrong way. He didn't want them to get it the wrong way. Uh, Jeremiah 3.15 provides us with a clear Old Testament evidence that the principle of feeding the mind with correct instruction leads to good spiritual health. It leads to good spiritual health. And he told Peter, make sure you feed my sheep, to feed my sheep. So it wasn't necessarily on proclamation of conversion because Paul says, leaving behind, or the writer of Hebrews says, leaving behind the doctrines of baptisms and laying on of hands, all the instructions in those things for new converts, let us go on to the perfecting of the saints of God, of the Word of God. And that's why Paul said he hadn't failed to declare the whole counsel of God because you have to have a well-balanced diet. Yes, You have to have broccoli and vegetables along with those carbohydrates and proteins to have a balanced diet. The USDA, or Department of Agriculture, put out a pyramid, a food pyramid, and the way to fix your plate, and they showed 
a sampling of what all you should have on your plate each day, what you should be eating, a well-balanced diet. Well, the same thing for us spiritually. We should have a well-balanced diet. We shouldn't get around. A lot of people don't preach repentance. A lot of people, uh, uh, they, they, they don't have symmetry to the body. So all they preach is prosperity or preach joy or happiness. But you have to also preach the hard things of the gospel. Yes. You have to re, 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 preach repentance and death to self and uh, putting the self to death or the mortification of the body also, which people don't like to hear those things. He says, and I will give you shepherds, Jeremiah 3.15, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I will give you shepherds after your own hearts and desires. In other words, there's a particular church of fold that you should be in. I don't think people should just join any church haphazardly because I think when you join yourself to a shepherd, each shepherd knows his sheep and that sheep will only listen to that shepherd. Not saying that you won't have visiting preachers and other people that preach and teach the gospel that you listen to. But there's a home base and there's a home church. Just like there's a lot of televangelists, a lot of radio preachers, a lot of preachers on sermon audio that I hear from time to time when I listen at. But my home church, Bible Way Church, is where my tithes and offerings go. Not that I... Don't give offerings to others or whatever. But it's associated with the local assembly to gathering together the saints is just like with your home. You associate with all types of people and people at work and different relatives and everything. But you have most of your family meals around the family table with the nucleus of mother, father, and brothers and sisters in your home. home. Okay? So that shepherd gives you, and it's Guevara, the church is Catholic, it's universal, so all of the doctrine that should be the gospel and the instructions of the word of God, but God may be giving different preachers different things to preach within different congregations week by week, day by day, and at different times, so you may miss something if you skipping around and never in your home church where there's a prepared meal for you that God has that shepherd preparing for his flock. You know, I spend countless numbers of hours during the day and the week putting in for preaching Bible study and teaching the word of God. So that's with things, you, you, you hate to feel bad if that individual person is not there, but that's their problem. I have to go on and preach the word of God, whether there's one of us here, two of us here, or a thousand of us here, or 50 of us here. So the word of God is specific like that. So a lot of people are not in the folds that they should be in. Jesus says there's sheep of another fold that I have to bring in. So a lot of us are end up in folds where God ultimately wants us. We know God's complete and he's going to build his church. And that church, the doctrine is universal. 
but there's different smaller congregations of churches that God has scattered throughout the world. That's the way God has this set up. Not as we look at it today, not as denominations and people think we have it, because you're not getting a well-balanced diet. You're not getting character filled. You're not getting the sufficiency that all the scripture has to offer if you're not in this way God has it set up for the feed the flock of God. God clearly states that a mind fed with the right things can produce wisdom, holiness, and happiness. Whereby that's why we don't uh, aren't in full agreement with all Christians and we see it in a majority of the United States, especially where you have so many things going on on the internet and social media and worldwide. It's such a diversity to there's a confusion as to the true word of God, but the true preachers of God has to preach the word, preach it in season and out of season and not worry about the thing that's going on all around us that that's in God's purview. That's in God's hand. God handles that. So we, we, no matter what's going on in the world, we see that we be not troubled. In other words, he promises that those who hear him will be fed the elements of abundant life through shepherds who exhibit godly character. There's a lot of churches and smaller churches and mega churches that has failed I'm reading articles throughout the week or whatever about the loss of congregation and church buildings and the dwindling number of people within churches and how the people are unchurched now or whatever. In the larger picture, that's the sovereignty of God, and God takes care of that. What we have to focus on is that if we hunger and thirst to be fed, if we're willing to expend energy to search and seek out and cry unto God, he's going to lead us to a pastor where there's good feeding, where the word of God is going forth, that we would be strengthened in our character and that the church would do what it's supposed to do because he had set those gifts in the church for the edification of the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ. Now, if you're not here and you're missing meals and you're missing the word preached, that's between you and God. I can only do as a shepherd that which he holds me accountable for doing. God's word, if it is believed and practiced, produces a unique perspective of life and balance that cannot be found through any other means. And that's what, why I say the preaching of the word of God, the active word of God, the living word of God, it's going to accomplish the purpose for wherewith God had sent it so we're not relying on sight and what we think is being accomplished. We're relying on faith. We're relying on God's word coming together and his promises and his prophecies as he said that they would. And we expectantly hope and have confidence, joy and happiness in here and doesn't let the rest of these things, the impinging things around us affect us. That the word of God is effectual in our lives no matter what's going on around us. Nothing that man has produced through philosophy or religion can come close to what God is giving us 
even though man consistently duplicates it, man counterfeit God in every area, and there's a way that seemed right to us where we are drawn off by the depravity of our own heart and not seeking God through his word, which is a standard word, which is an absolute standard in a way. He has a way. That's why in the, the verses that we preached and taught on last week, our thoughts and our ways are not like God's, and we have to get in sync with his thoughts and ways. These elements of human society have played major roles in producing restless, anxious, and violent cultures. And we see that in the church. We see it throughout our community and our nation. But our confidence and hope and faith is in God and in His Word, that His Word is performing just as He's sending out to perform. And that is going to achieve the purpose and it's going to accomplish the purposes wherewith he had sent it, it won't return unto him void. We must choose to secure the best diet for the mind to utilize and assimilate into one's moral and spiritual character as well as other expressions of personalities. So going all the way back to the beginning of Genesis and I told you that was a general purpose, a general rule that God says when he says, let us make man in our image. But we're seeing where it gets most specific later, especially during the church age and the times to apostles, when he says that he had given his apostles, his disciples, his word, and that we would believe on Jesus through their word, through whose word? The disciples' word, his apostles' word, the apostle doctrine, the apostle creed, rather. So that we would believe on him through that. So all the way from Genesis, he comes and becomes very specific that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, and there's no other way. So all of these people that are talking about there's a many other way or whatever and going the broad way of destruction or whatever, that's not our problem. But we do warn people that there are other ways that people are going and that there are ways that seem right to a man and that it ends in destruction. Those are the warnings of God's word. So the proclamation of the preaching of God's word, it hardens some, but some, it puts the fear of God in it it's that place that it, it they by faith they hear that word preach and that seed of faith starts to germinate because it comes by hearing the word of God. So we can't fail to stop preaching and teaching God's word because that's what he commissioned us to do. Yes. But the effects of that word is up to God. Yes. What effects it has on people. It's just like with sunshine, as the sun beams down and shines, some things it hardens, but sometimes it softens some things. So it, at same sun, hardens clay to, to become like a brick, but it would melt wax to it's like a liquid, to it becomes a liquid. 
The world produces an almost overwhelming amount of spiritual junk food and outright spiritual garbage. And it is easy and it is within easy reach of any mind anywhere, no matter where one lives. You can go on the internet and they make it broadband and all types of internet to reach in rural areas and everything. But there is so much knowledge out there. He's told us knowledge will increase. In the latter time, knowledge will increase. But we see in the scriptures where he says his people suffer or destroy for the lack of knowledge. He said the Jews have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. So with all of the knowledge out there, he tells us to get wisdom, to get knowledge and understanding, but we have to get the right ones. There's devilish, earthly, sensual wisdom out there, but we have to ask God for wisdom, which God give it liberally, but it's wisdom that comes above, that comes from God. Well, all of Solomon's wisdom He said it was vanity and vexation of spirit because the application that he used until he started coming to his senses while writing Ecclesiastes, he was saying all is vanity and vexation of spirit because the motivation was wrong. The application he was going at was wrong. But to hear the whole of the matter, he says to fear God. But we will have to give account for what we do. When we talk about the Word of God, it's the staple of life. We call it bread. We use the word, the manna from heaven was the bread that came down. Jesus Christ said he was the bread that came down as a title for Jesus Christ, the Word. He was the Word that was made flesh. He was the Word that came and lived among men. He was the word that was in the beginning, but we see where he's the bread of life. But he was that bread that came from him. Yesterday we partake of the table, and he says, that was his body that was broken for us. Eat you all of it. The symbolism lied in there of his word. We eat the roll. We eat the whole from Genesis to Revelation. We're to assimilate all of that word. That's what gives us eternal life. As if we would come to him in hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we will be filled. And that's why it says the be spiritual, be full of the word of God, be drunk with the spirit, spiritual intoxication, the continual to trimming of your lamp. In other words, that's how we're living by assimilating the word of God. That's what gives us our strength. That's what you should try to consume most of every day is the Word of God. And that part is not given to reading, studying, and praying. should be given to meditating and practicing. In other words, walking in the Word of God. That's when the prosperity and joy comes. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God, all of these other things will be added to us. And that's why we see... Joy and singing and rejoicing to those that this water, that this word of God reigns and is saturated for. We see bread as representing the statue of life. 
the staple of life. We got Genesis 14 and 18, 18 and 5, 1 Samuel 16 and 20, 1 Kings 17 and 6, 2 Kings 4:42, Psalms 104:15, Matthew 6 and 11 and 7:9, with countless other scriptures. But we see, whenever somebody did something, they always had an inclusive of bread. That Genesis. 18 and 5 is when Melchizedek came of Salem came with bread and wine. Bread is a staple of life that we have. It's necessary. You just about have bread with most meals. In breakfast, you might have bread in the form of toast or biscuit or something like that. Whereas at lunchtime, it may be a sandwich. It Maybe just to go along with a, a meal, a warm or cold meal. Uh, it may be formed in the form of crackers with a salad or something at lunchtime or at dinner time, and it may be form of cornbread to go with certain meals, a biscuit or a roll, or a light bread, sliced bread at nighttime. But we see bread as a staple to go along that balances the meal out. So the word of God is, we ask for it. I, I, that's why I say I think in the Lord's prayer or the disciples' prayer, whether when it says, give us this day our daily bread, that is the word of God. That's the staple of life. That's, that goes with everything. That's supportive of everything. Spiritual sowing. i tell you this word of God we're looking at the purposes of God's word that's going out that's as rain and snow and that waters and it gives to the earth the spiritual sowing of God's word. First Peter 2 and 2 says uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now let's examine a little bit closer there that word that Peter used in, a, in this addressing of the saints of God, opening up the word of God with the, the, the greeting here to the saints of God that scattered throughout the land. He says, according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, at first verse, I'll read the first verse to put it in that context, but he's talking to all of the people of God that it says, hold, come, that this invitation was a general invitation to all people. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So when he says elect, he's talking about God's chosen people, not necessarily just Jews. He's talking about all of the elect, all of those that are called to God, called of God. And we know there'll be a many a call, but only a few chosen. So there's going to be a great number that hear this message, but it's going to have a different effect on, on some that it don't have others. Some it's going to tend to harden. Some it's going to tend to drive further into their reprobacity. In other words, they go continue to be reprobate using and knowing the word of God, but suppressing it in unrighteousness and going further on in their destruction. Mm -hmm. 
they will twist the word of God as Peter says in the book of Peter that some following after Paul not understanding the writings of Paul twist the scriptures to their own destruction so we see them twisting it till now where we go against the clear printed word of God about homosexuality sexual immorality of the Galatians the five chapter the fifth chapter the 20th through the 22nd verse about the works of the flesh about liars and murderers and all of these people that shall not inherit the kingdom of God he's talking about people in the church just as Jesus Christ just addressed the church in the book of revelations all of those were called but wasn't all chosen because he says he'll come and fight against the church. He told some portions of the church to repent quickly. Now he gave a a heads up to the ones that were doing right. He said, I know your works. I know he he gave them compliments on what they were doing right, but he also told them what they were doing. In other words, warned them. He says, repent quickly. So here Peter says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Let me read that in the living also as I go along with that. He says, Dear friends, God the Father chose you long ago and knew you would become his children. Why? He says it like that. Because we were predestinated. We were chosen from the foundations of the world that we would be holy. But now this word comes into effect, not just like the rain, but like the snow. It's over a period of time. I've been hearing this word a long time, but it's a lot of things now that I'm coming in obedience to the word of God and I'm assimilated and going into it. So the word of God is consistently in your life, but that effect may be like Job. He says he heard about God by the hearing of his hearing. But now he see better. He can see God. God's word opens up your eyes. The word sanctifies it. It washes you. It cleanses you. It has a sanctifying effect. That's why I say it's living. It's vibrant. But we may not be able to assimilate it no more than a baby eating food that it can't assimilate or digest as an elderly man eating food that his body no longer can digest or have a take the right way. As you get a certain age, you might not can eat tomato paste. You might not can eat some foods because your body doesn't assimilate it the same way. Well, here God's word is the working and the practical knowledge and the use of it. He says, sanctifying of the spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled by his blood. As in Ezekiel says, he's going to wash you with clear water, with clean water, the sprinkling of water. So we're chosen. We were chosen from the foundations of the world. And Jesus knew, he says, none that the Father giveth me shall be lost. So we're confident in the word that God will not lose any, that he gave us all that none would be lost. He says, and the Holy Spirit has been at work in your hearts, cleansing you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And making you to please him, may God bless you richly and grant you increase in freedom from all anxiety and fear. Those fulfill the 11 and I mean the 12 and 13 verse where you start singing and be have freedom as just like the mountains and the hills and the trees 
clapping and rejoicing in the Lord, so is our spiritual life as God works in us and releases us from bondage. God's Word has that liberating effect. It sets us at liberty. That strengthens us. It strengthens us by the, that Word of God is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So how are we going to have that joy if we don't input it, if we don't study to show ourselves approved workers that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God? But the Word of God has a sanctifying effect. It sets us apart. It separates us because He tells us, be ye separate and come out from among us, and I'll be a God unto you. You'll be my sons and daughters. So that effect that the word is having, if the world can see it, you can see it, and it's there to be seen, but those that are blind that the word has no effect on, they still grope in darkness. But we're being transformed from darkness to light. God's word is having an effect in our lives. There are some people that look at the Word of God as looking at a mirror darkly, but they forget what manner of person they, they are, and they go away like the seed sown in the thorny ground, or uh, in the by the wayside, uh, in by the rocks and things that are trampled under and the cares of this life, choke the Word out of them, or the devil steal the Word away from them. It's not sown in good soil. And that's a problem there. We have to guard the word. It says, guard our heart. That's where the nucleus of the word of God sown deep in our feelings, our inner man. Because he's given us a new heart and he's writing his laws on that heart. So you have to guard that heart. You have to, because out of the heart of man, out of the interior of the man, these are things that defile the man, those things that come out of you. So you have to be careful because the Word of God has a purging effect in your heart. There's a clear teaching, and this is a clear teaching. The Word of God is necessary for growth. We do not have it instantaneously upon conversion. It increases in us little by little through studying, through practicing the Word, through prayer, and through our relationship with God. That's the spiritual growth and nourishment. Yes. Psalms 126, 5 through 6 says, They who sow, sow in tears shall reap in joy for singing, who goes back and forth weeping, carrying his bag of seed for planting, will indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with it. The King James Version says, bearing precious seed. Well, if you go, go about telling others about the Word of God, being a light unto others, as we scatter and sow the Word of God, that seed, you know, never know where that seed will prosper or where it would come up or what effect it will have upon the people that hear it. I asked you about the Bible verse that you said you sold to somebody the other day when you said, well, what about the Bible says this? Well, whenever you have give out the Word of God, whenever you speak the Word of God, speak the Scriptures to someone, they have to have faith-filled words. In other words, you have to have faith that that Word is going to have an effect on the people you're preaching it to. When I get up and come in here in the morning time, in, on Sabbath morning, or in the afternoon times doing Bible study, I 
believe that the word I speak to you, they are spirit and that they are life and that has effect in your lives. When I see people on the byways and the highways at work, in my home, anywhere, when I say what the scripture says, what the Bible says, I believe that word has effect because why? That's my sword. That's my hammer. I build up. I tear down. It cuts. That word of God is affected. We have to be careful. That scripture, scripture is very precious. Very precious. Isaiah 32 and 20 says, Blessed, happy, or fortunate are you who cast your seed upon all waters. That is, when the river flows its banks and irrigates the land, you who allow the ox and the donkey to roam. In other words, that's the amplified. Here's the living version. God will greatly bless his people. Wherever they plant, bountiful crops will spring up, and their flocks and herds will graze in green pastures. So if you go around like Jesus, that's what he did. He went around speaking the word. Yes. We go around and just like the sower, sowing in seed, sowing seed. Well, he says the sower soweth seed. He go about sowing seed. So if you going about sowing good seed, some of that good seed's going to fall on good ground, thorny ground. It's going to fall in the wayside. The birds of the air read some of it up. But there's an effect if that's what you're doing. If you're actually going around sowing the word of God in faith, speaking the word, he says, go preaching and teaching and making disciples. Yes. Now it's up to the husbandman. It's up to God to produce the fruit. It's up to God to result. Paul says, I planted Apollos water, God give it the increase. We just have to cast the seed out of that. It's going to spring up if we sow our seed, especially early in the morning. at be many times. Now, God's people have been being blessed for a while. and We see that in the church today, that God blesses a lot of people without them being, being repentant or walking in God's way. They could be devils right in the church. They could be false prophets deacons, singers, lay members, or whatever they be. God's people is God's people, but some of them are under the auspicious that they can't be lost, but they don't realize that be a many are called, but only a few chosen. Yes. So they have fallen away as demons fell away, as they were turned over to Satan. Now so was God's people in the book of Hosea. You remember it was some God says that were his people, and it was some that he says wasn't his people. But he ended up saying those that he said was his people are not his people, and those he said weren't his, wasn't his people was going to be his people. In the New Testament, he says, the children of the kingdom that's sitting now with Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob shall be cast out. Publicans and harlots have come in, and those people will be kicked out and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen at Hosea, the ninth, the tenth chapter of Hosea, the ninth through the fifteenth verse, and I'm going to read it in both versions if I have time here, and I'll end with this since I've crowded all this into this one teaching. Hosea, the ninth chapter, the fifteenth verse. First, we'll read it in the. Living Version. 
It says, O Israel, ever since that awful night in Geboah, there had, Geboah, there has been only sin, sin, sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. Was it not right that the men of Jeboah were wiped out? You remember the Jebez, Jebez Gilash, how you pronounce it? Jeboah, they kill all of the brethren. They were fighting and they destroyed a whole tribe of the Benjamites. He says, was it not right that the men of Jebel was wiped out? I will come against you for your disobedience. I will gather the armies of the nations against you to punish you for your heaped up sins. Ephraim is accustomed to threading out the grain and easy job she loves. I have never put her under a heavy yoke before. I have spared her tender neck. But now I will harness her to plow and harrow. Her days of ease are gone. Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will reap a crop of my love. Plow the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower salvation upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and raised a thriving crop of sins. You've earned the full reward of trusting in a lie, believing that the military might and great armies can make a nation safe. Therefore, the terrors of war shall rise among your people, and all your forts will fall, just as Beth Arbel, which Salmon destroyed. Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. That will be their, your faith too, you people of Israel, because your great wickedness. In one morning, the king of Israel shall be destroyed. Here it is in the Amplified Version. O Israel, you have willfully sinned since the days of Jebel, and there they, they, Israel, stand. Will not the battle against the sons of wickedness overtake them at Jeboah? When it is my desire to defend my righteousness, I will chasten them, and hostile people will be gathered against them when they are bound and punished for their double guilt their revolt against the Lord and their worship of idols or what am I punishing them for. They're holding the truth in unrighteousness and suppressing the truth. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thread out the grain, but I will come over her fair neck with a heavy yoke. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will ply and Jacob will harrow and rake for himself. So with a view to righteousness, that is, that righteousness like seed may germinate, reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness. Break up your uncultivated ground, for it is time to seek and search diligent for the Lord and to long for his blessings until he comes to rain righteousness and his gift of salvation on you. You have plowed and planted wickedness. You have reaped the willful injustice of oppressors. You have eaten the fruit of lies, and because you have trusted in your own weight and your chariots and in your many warriors, therefore an uproar will arise among your people. All your fortresses will be destroyed. So here Hosea preaches to the people of Israel. Sounds just like the United States today. 
since the forming of this nation and call ourselves a Christian nation and blessed of God. But during that whole time, among our religious ranks, we've been hypocrites. Among those that say they are believers and children of God, they are in willful unknown sin. They willfully transgress God. And as I was saying, some people in some churches have had it mighty easily, being called by the name of Christian, never being persecuted. They've had easy jobs. You've seen people that get on jobs and be placed in positions of supervisors and managers and leaders and preachers that are put in positions as preachers and teachers and deacons and housewives and husbands and people married. And it seems like things just come to them that they are truly blessed. Job's seen this happen where the evil man seemed to prosper, his children prosper, and everything that's placed in his hand prosper, even though they are camouflages. But there's going to come a time when God's word is going to do the separating. God's word is going to make the difference. God's going to send his word in the oppression within the nation, in the evil and the calamity that he's sent in the nation where the wheat and tare has been growing together. But now he's going to send his true angels, the messengers of God, to separate the wheat from the tare. And I told you that was the purpose of the word of God. It's going to draw you or drive you. The application is that God's people are going to be gathered together in piles here in bonds or places of, of refuge, of fortresses. Uh, and a shield and a buckler is going to keep them during the time of tribulation and during this time that's of darkness that's coming up on the earth. God's going to keep his people. And it, geographically, no matter where you are, if you are a child of God, God has his people sealed in their forehead. We've seen that in the book of Ezekiel. And he says, let not the angels of death or these certain things come to those that have the seal of God in them. We'll be rejoicing and we'll be like the five wise that go out and meet the bridegroom. While the five foolishes is searching for those that buy and sell oil, those that were in Laodicean churches that was poor, wretched, naked, and miserable, but they thought they had no need of anything the word of God would be like a hammer at that time. Jeremiah was a pre preacher, also a fire and brimstone, and that's why he said that God had deceived them because this word was a reproach to the people. You have people not wanting anything to do with the word of God because this Jesus that's being preached, this little lamb that rise up with his horn, that's going to be something when a lamb rise up with a horn. In other words, the power and the rod this word of God, this sword, he's going to come with a sword. He said, you thought I'd come to bring peace, but I bring, come to bring a sword. And that double-edged sword cuts all different ways or whatever. And it's going to be a rejoicing and a blessing and a prosperity to those that God's word is going to rain righteousness on. Because he's going to be sowing 
what you're reaping, he said, that's going to come a time when the reapers are going to overtake the plowman. In other words, your actions and your good deeds and your works, God's going to abundantly bless you and give you full prosperity because nobody knows the burdens that you bear. Nobody knows that you've stood by the walls of the church. Nobody knows what you've gone through, but God knows. So those that pray and cry to him and don't give up, he's going to find faith when he comes. He says, shall I find faith on the earth when he comes? Yes, he's going to find faith because the word of God is going to continually be going out. But it's going to be a dark day of the Lord for some. Some shouldn't desire the day of the Lord. There's a lot of them looking to the rapture in the day of the Lord. But it's going to be a dark day for a lot of them. They're going to run and hide and ask for mountains and things to fall upon them. But that word. Now these people are going to be being fed. Those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He says, you shall be fed. You shall find this righteousness. Those that mourn, you shall rejoice now. All of these ways that you've been looking at. Now that time is coming. You see the Lord coming in all his power and might. Now is the manifestations of the sons of God. That's when you go see rejoicing the whole creation. We're seeing earthquakes and avalanches and mudslides and forest fires. And creation is wreaking all kinds of havoc now. But he says the foundations, what's going to happen when the foundations are being destroyed? As those foundations are being destroyed, God's sitting fire upon the earth and he's trying our works whether we've been building with wood stubble or hay it's all going to show what you've been building with so I, I tell you keep on building if you've been building with God and been obedient to the word of God because in 2 Corinthians he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and that we pull down strongholds and with arguments when our obedience is complete, when we start to walk in the obedience of God, walking in the way of God, then their disobedience shall be punished. Their transgressions of God, all of their wicked ways, all of those crooked things they've done to God's people, what's done in the dark will come to the light. All of these motivations and things that you've done we will see whether it's going to be as the ways of God because these things are going to be made manifest because now it's the manifestations of the sons of God. And this destruction shall come upon the whole earth. But we'll be building the house of God. But remember that judgment starts at the house of God. And we'll continue to build and preach and teach and walk in God's word. Hallelujah to the word. For now, it, its effectual work is being shown that it's paying off preaching and teaching and walking in the Word.